John, you were late. I hope you had a good reason for keeping me hanging around. I like to keep you hanging around because that way it's it's like I like keeping you on a short leash. You know, I just we, we got a dog um, and it turns out that there's uh, there are apps out there that help you manage your dog's health and life. So I've come to understand. So maybe we'll have to check them out and get that guy on here. But uh, once you have a dog, you realize that if you thought that children ran your life, dogs are dogs run the universe, apparently. Um, I'm going to sort yeah, you're right. I've got a well, dog. Actually, no, well, it's a pain in the ass, but then so are the kids. So what's the difference? <laughs> well, the dogs don't don't expect to be, have their college paid for. And I would say, and this is this is a you know a funny thing about San Francisco, funny almost like funny tragic, haha. But dogs are you know a more sought after political constituency constituency than than children. There are more dogs than kids, and more money is spent on dog parks than than human parks. That may not be true, but there actually are cases where where in certain neighborhoods they were they were trying to decide how to spend money, and, and at least one where they built a dog park, much to the consternation of local kids. Yeah, I mean, you go to the supermarket in this country, and there's always collection bins for food um, to go to charity or whatever, and you more than often see sort of people collecting cat food for cats or dog food for dogs and you know stuff the starving kids they can die <laughs> that's good maybe that's the too show people, title <laughs> stuff these kids they can die too many people on this boat <laughs> talking about being late when we were speaking last um time you were uh, waiting to do a release of findery are we are we there well, the, the, it's been submitted. It's in the review queue. But it seems like there was some type of controversy with iTunes Connect. Did you hear about this? That somehow some developers logged on to find other people's information on there and they had to shut down iTunes Connect, I think, for some period of time. So I think that the things got a little bit uh, backed up. But uh, I would imagine, but, but given how long it takes between when we record and this thing actually gets released, I'm sure that we'll already have 3.2 out the door but uh we did we did submit 3.1 and it has some interesting stuff would you like to would you like to know about it yeah but first of all i'm going to explain your snarky comment uh we're currently releasing about six days after recording so yeah i mean with that still as good as the average app review time and i'm Ah, I'm a one-man band so (laughs) oh scotty well you know uh I will take that as my cue to start talking about it, shall I? You you do that. You would anyway, so okay. there's no point me saying anything. Shut up. So uh, so we've been working steadily over the last couple of releases, just digging through the analytics, looking very, very carefully at, at where people drop off or what we can do to get more people through the, the funnel, so to speak, and to get more people to sign up and to become active members. So for instance, with 3.0, we made the decision to to, you know, from the first screen saying, you know, uh, would you like to sign up? And we made it much easier to sign up because we offered the option of of creating an account from Facebook, which we hadn't done before. You could connect to Facebook to find your friends, but you couldn't actually create an account while we added that in. And that's already reduces a ton of friction. 
question and we ask them, you know, we were always kind of self-conscious saying, no, you should ask them to, to sign in until they actually do something that requires it. But in fact, you have a much better time, you know, as you can imagine, you know, you can, you can create a Twitter account, but if you go through the sign up process on Twitter, you know, they, they really work you. They say, okay, you know, what topics are you interested in? And then they, they associate you with, with people to follow that they suggest. And then eventually, you know, from people who are in there. So they, they realize that, you know, you can't really have a good time on Twitter unless you follow people whose tweets interest you. So, you know, we, we've taken the, the same tact and, and when we released it, we were able to look at the, the, the graph, the, the Google Analytics kind of graph that shows, you know, where, which screen they entered and then when they went to the next screen, the next screen, the next screen, it looked much better. It was already, it was much deeper and, and, and automatically we were just by asking people to sign up. <laughs> Who knew? You know, people you know tended to want to sign up, which was really nice. And uh, we looked at an enormous proportion of people who were signing up using Facebook, so that it, because it just gets you going. So we're very happy with that. So the next thing that we were working on is like, well, how can we increase participation? Because with something like Findery, there's there's a with any type of user generated content site, there's a much smaller number of people who produce content than those who will will just read it and then you know somewhere in between are the people who would like to interact with it who will favorite it who might comment on it who might add their note you know your note to a collection of those or what we call a note map and uh, so by by greasing the wheels on on that that also helped a lot so for instance with new user accounts in 3.0 we were uh, um, you know, pre-populating a, a user's note maps so that they have ones to, to as prompts, like you know, memories or I want to go here, or, I've been here, or you know, my finds, just to, to get people started. And we notice all of a sudden, haha, you you put something out there and, and reduce the friction, they start using it, which is great. And the more and and when you add somebody's notes to you know to a note map, the people who authored the notes get a little notification, and it helps create this virtuous uh, cycle. So now we we kind of looked at it and saw that that. Uh, you know, the, the act of authoring a note, it is, you know, compared to other, other, you know, sites like, like, you know, Instagram, for example, Instagram, you can just take a picture up, it goes, you know, nobody put, you know, hardly anybody puts captions, they may put filters to it. And that's it. Some people do. I mean, I, I tend to if I post something on Instagram, I, I, I usually post snarky things I find. And I add a caption because it helps add some context. And so but but that's me, I like this stuff. Far more people just will, will, you know, they might share something. So we said, well, what if we could allow people to to you know, create a, a use as a starting point of a note some URL, like a New York Times article or, you know, some magazine article, whatever, because now, you know, as, as you've probably noticed or, or, or not, uh, you know, lots of people will, will post on Facebook, they'll post an article that they found interesting. And it looks very nice as, as it, it has a title and it has a caption and it has a, a thumbnail and it, it, it makes the person who's sharing it feel like they've, they've added something to the, to the conversation because it looks good. Sometimes they'll add some commentary on it and explain why they're sharing it, but others will just put it on there. So he said, well, could we do that? And uh, there is this thing called OG or Open Graph, uh, which is a standard for uh, adding meta tags to a, a web page to be able to designate for a particular web page. This is the image I want to use as a thumbnail. And this is the, the, the title and this is the caption. And some sites you know, like New York Times will even add some basic ge geographical distinction for the note, like the, 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 either the country or, or sometimes the city you know, where, where the note took place. And so um, we added the ability to create a note from a URL, and it, it, I'm, I'm actually proud of it. I should probably make a little uh, blog post about it, or at least a GitHub sample app, because it's it's it, it basically involves you having to parse these tags out of an HTML page and kind of looking at at 
at which tags to get and trying to make sure that the the website that you're you're getting it from will present you all the tags that you want to. Um, so I don't know. It, it's fairly involved. I don't know whether you want to get into it, but it basically means that that you know you can you can create a note and it will get started right away and it will will take the the caption from the the news article, for example, and put it as a block quote with a link to the original site saying read more, and then you can add your commentary on it. So an example of it is uh, there's this restaurant or there's this hotel in Paris that uh, serves super fancy kebabs, and the reason why is because the guy who is the chef there grew up in a, in a kind of rough neighborhood, immigrant neighborhood. Neighborhood Paris, and he ate a lot of kebabs growing up, and and you know there's always been this kind of contentious issues in in, in France with you know what's original French culture and not, and, and some mayors of some small towns are all you know all up in arms because there are kebab shops in in, in their their you know main downtown business districts, and they go, oh, it's a degradation of French culture. So this guy is like going forget that and he makes these super super fancy kebabs which he plates beautifully with you know tweezers and, and, and serves it at one of the fanciest you know kind of old money hotels in Paris so that's an example of you know I put that 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 New York Times article left a note at the hotel about it and had some discussion points about it and it just made it much easier and it greased the wheels and so you know we'll be able to analyze it and see over the next couple of weeks if, if that in fact makes a, a, a big difference we think it will but there there are other kind of features along that way but the whole point of this exercise is that once you once you've shipped an app you you know you have to keep working on it and looking at the analytics very, very carefully and constantly trying to, to ease your, your, your user's path through your app towards what you want them to do. Wow, that was a long speech. Yeah, interesting. Uh, let's deal with a few things there first. Well, first of all, uh, let's not get into the tech too much um, because it's sort of it's, it's hard to talk about tech in audio. Did you see um, the posts that iOS Dev Weekly linked to uh, a few weeks ago about why programming manuals aren't on audiobook no, no didn't let no. me see if i can find it let me just uh, let me just play this for you it's it's only about 30 seconds let's see you might be able to hear this hopefully a reading from the swift programming language from apple section on metatype types a metatype type refers to the type of any type including class types structure types enumeration types and protocol types the metatype of a class structure or enumeration type is the name of that type followed by dot type. The metatype of a protocol type, not the concrete type that conforms to the protocol at runtime, is the name of that protocol followed by dot protocol. For example, the metatype of the class type some class is some class dot type, and the metatype of the protocol some protocol is some protocol dot protocol. <sighs> That's what it's like when you talk about all. Uh programming stuff on audio podcasts mm. um so it's uh, i just find that quite amusing so um we'll put a link in the show notes so we won't go any deeper the reason you did it is the is the key because looking up how to do it they can come to your blog post can't they exactly. which we won't put in then the show notes because you wouldn't have written it by the time i do the show notes because i bet you will take you longer than the six days it'll take me to get this show out won't it that's true there we are see one up to me so um, yeah. i'm interested in the onboarding process because we is you know I'm surprised that you let me you're a an application a, a a platform that requires content it requires people to be part of it um I'm assuming you have to be a member to post do you correct so I'm surprised we're at version whatever before you start really going into more onboarding I'm just interested to know was it just a matter of time to get to this point or were you sort of thinking no. it would be averse and you were 
going to put users off and you've discovered you were wrong? What, what, what's the reason for, for that, first of all? That's an interesting point. So the very first version we released actually did have a, a, a nice onboarding, you know, swipeable animation. It was pretty cool. And I remember there was some guy who, who whose name escapes me right now, but he was very thankful for the discussion about how we did it. And he shipped an app which had a really nice, you know, onboarding, uh, you know, f- what, what I'm calling kind of landing screen first, 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 first run experience, which kind of talked about what the app does and why it does it and how. And we, in fact, found that that a lot of people were just completely dropping off. And we kept trying to wonder why was it? Was it that they it wasn't working or they couldn't read English or, or were there accessibility issues? And and so what we ended up finding is that when you removed it, people went much further in the app. So they just didn't really want it to have what what appeared to them as a kind of a commercial for 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 what the app does. And then and then we said, well, we'd handled the issue of of user sign up when when they wanted to do it. So the first time they would go to favorite a note, for example, that's when we'd say, hey, to favorite a note, you have to join. So um, it's it's not entirely true that that you, you know that you have to be signed on to be able to do it, especially with, with version 3.0, because we, we introduced this thing called near and far. So it, it's like very, very, you know, right up there that, you know, Findery can be used to help you find stuff that's right around where you are, but it, it also is equally good for kind of armchair exploration where you can pick a city and you can see really, you know, beautifully curated content from that city. Um, and so it's not that we didn't put it on there, it's that we tried one technique and it didn't work as well as we want. And now now we, we dialed it back, we, we kind of got a hold and, and, and established a baseline. And then what we found now is that it, it's not that they want onboarding to use the app so much as that they want to kind of be brought onto the app within their own context, so to speak. So, you know, it, 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 if, if you're going to ask people to sign up, then you have to kind of give a good explanation about why. If you're going to ask for permission to, to use, you know, uh, ask for location services. I mean, one thing that we had to do in 3.0, because for, for, you know, as we know, with iOS 8, they changed the permissions for location services. So we had to, you know, after after they pass through the do you want to sign up page, the next thing they see is 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 a one time, you know, explaining why we ask for for using location services, and we did the the kind of pre ask technique where they could say no, not right now, and 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 not kind of burn the 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 one shot they have for answering the question from 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 the core location you know permissions. Um, and that has been a big help uh, because now we find many more people sign up, and if they don't sign up right away to to to, to enable location services, you know they tend to to, to go back and, and do it afterwards. So you know the direction that we'll be going with now is that after we 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 sign up, we can start to to, to look at other ways of of figuring out what is the best stuff to show them, either by kind of showing them some some you know types of, of, of different content and let them choose or just letting, you know, observing their behavior as to which ones they like and, and where they go in the app. But so, you know, does, does that answer your question? It's not that we didn't do it at all. It's, just, it, it's, it's not a completely easy thing to do. And you have to, you have to try it, measure, adjust and, and rinse and repeat. Which is a sort of policy for any part of our app, really. It's, we shouldn't be, yeah. you know, um, and now you know, the reality is here, the, we've, we've sort of briefly spoken about this a couple of times, but you're able to um, make these decisions because you're recording analytics and and seeing how people use the app, which I know some developers think is creepy, um, yeah. uh, but we're developers, we need to get over it. Um, most salespeople or, or business people would say, well, it's essential. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, th- there's, a, there's a good argument there that you, if you didn't, 
use analytics uh, of some form and tracking in your application, you would you would you would never know that you were making more or or, or less success. And so, um, you know, you're pretty dependent on that that data. Absolutely, I, mean, I can't imagine shipping an app of, of of any degree of of sophistication or one that you care about over the long run without analytics. I mean, you can. Yeah, and and we, we we actually we tried a couple different things. I mean, the big granddaddy certainly is Google Analytics, and there's a lot of of, of stuff there. But there are some, even some some newer ones which are, are quite good as well. Are you allowed to tell us which one you use? Uh, yes, but I'm just spacing on the name. So why don't you go talk about something, and I will get the name for it. I'm going to talk about something then. Okay. Or I could just edit this out later. Okay, well, then one moment. But then again, last week, you wouldn't let me edit stuff out when I had to look stuff up and couldn't remember it, and you made me look... Sp- <laughs> so, so I'm going to edit that out, because that's a really offensive word. Um, <laughs> so now I am going to have to do some editing. Yeah, I know, really. You're going to have people coming after you with, with, with you know, pitchforks. Yes. Found it yet? Come on, Thicku. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Adjust, adjust.io, and it's a newish one, and, and you pay for it. So Google, so that's it, you know, it's an interesting side note. So Google is the granddaddy of it all, and basically you're 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 paying with information. So things are anonymized, so you do get that, you know. But but it, it must certainly help. It must certainly help Google to to have this type of of information about about usage patterns for mobile apps the world over, right? So they can get an idea about how many how. How deep a, you know an app is in terms of number of screens and 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 you know times of day and 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 where and and kind of you know what type of network connectivity and 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 durations and things like that. But you're basically that's you're paying with data. Adjust you pay you pay with money. <laughs> Novel concept. And adjust is 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 you know I don't want to get into a lengthy discussion about it. The reason we added that is they have particularly good mechanisms for tracking the effectiveness of ads or 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 any type of media exposure. So if you if you put out a tweet. And the tweet can, you know, one of the things that you can do is, is with Twitter cards, that's something that that's absolutely should be supported. So that if, if you share something on Twitter, there are things you can do to make it look much better. So you add these additional tags in your HTML page, and it gives an idea to, to, to Twitter clients, the official Twitter client, the Twitter website. And I think some third parties uh, will look at it as well, but how you want to present it. So you can have the, an image and a caption directly shown in screen. And if you have, uh, you want to offer to the, your end users the chance to open up a URL in the app, Twitter cards let you do that. So uh, then you can you can track the effectiveness of, of various media, you know, various uh, uh, content that's shared on Twitter to how it might uh, uh, land installs of your app, right? So all those kind of things. So I, I, is it? It's not creepy. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think it is at all. I think it's it's very helpful. I think we, we have to get over it anyway. It's it's an essential part of yeah. developing an application. We're trying to yeah. um you're making an application partly better for your users in, in whatever else. So I'll put a link to um adjust in the show notes. Um mm-hmm. as you say it's a paid one. I it says it looks like it starts about hundred and twenty nine bucks, I assume that's a month. Um so it's yeah. not it's not something you're gonna put into your little free app that does three downloads. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, again it's uh yeah, another thing developers have to get over is is you pay for things that work. <laughs> yeah, we sit totally. alone if we can't make money off the App Store, and then won't pay for any tools that help us to make more money on App Store. So there we go. So uh, yeah, so that's interesting. Um, and I think uh, again, it's 
a lot of the time it's not just um, collecting the data because actually a lot of people collect the data it's actually then spending the time going over the analytics and working out what is actually going on so you know how do you how do you handle that as a company do you as the developer and de- or developers look at the analytics and try and work things out or do you have sort of a product managers who do that and then discussion how how do you you know you're collecting the data that's the first thing how do you then um, use that data to make the decisions you've made um, well, I mean, we have weekly meetings, so we have you know Monday all company uh, meetings, and and during that we you know we, there's reports about what's going on individually, you know, and and where we are in various sprints. But you know, almost the first thing we talk about are are, are metrics. You know, it's like you know download numbers and 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 number of signups and percentage of people who sign up, things of that nature. Um, the way that we really dig into it is that you know it, it takes time to, to to gather data, and since we're working on two week sprint intervals, you know if if we if we launch something, we go out there, we have to let it soak in the market for a little little while to then be able to gather enough data to 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 be able to decide, you know, a did this, what are the problems, and 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 b are the solutions we put in place working and how well and could we improve them? So, you know, we're always about that. It's kind of, there's, there's marketing efforts to get people to even know about your app and try it. Then there are efforts to be able to make sure that once people download the app, you know, how long will they use it? Will they drop off right away? And then if you're asking people to sign up, you know, will they do it? So, so there are reports um, in, in Google Analytics in, in particular, these are very, very helpful graphs that will show you, you know, screen by screen, the number of people that entered a, at a particular screen and, and what percentage moved on to the next one and, and where and, and, and how they dropped off. It's, it's incredibly well done. It really is. I mean, um, so and, and it's, it's, it's stock stuff. So, you know, anybody in the company can do it. But the people who are pouring over are, are, are people who, you know, when they're performing a kind of uh, for us, it, since it is all about content, it, we do have a section of the company called CCM content community and marketing. And, and they're the ones who are you know doing blog posts, for example, or, or doing daily challenges or, or doing newsletters, basically interacting with with our existing community and reaching out to the, the community at large to try and, and, and bring them into the fold. And so they're the ones who tend to, to look the most at these types of analytics. The developers are, are looking at it when they, they because it, 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 it you know, we're the ones that implement it. And so we have a Google Doc that has you know, a spreadsheet which has the, 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 the event tags that we're using and how we classify an event. So if, if somebody, for instance, begins sign up with a Facebook, um, you know, we, we look through the app and we're the ones that kind of in talking to, to product management people you know or you know when we put on our product project management hat we kind of say well what is it that we need to track we need to track you know when they began some operation and did they did they complete it for example um, because that, that tells us a lot or you know any of the different activities and events that take place in the app we, we kind of have to the engineering team has to implement the analytics does it in such a way so that you can then figure out you know definitively is it successful or not and you see this is where um, I think a lot of the problem over indie developers is that you know we, we've just spent 15 20 minutes talking about how you monitor how your app's being used and, and, and how you're doing that you know and very very little of that process has got anything to do with coding yes you have to you said yeah. you're engineering yeah. the right way of do collect, uh, collecting the analytics that's that's in there but then there's the case of you know pouring over the analytics looking for trends watching things making decisions of it and driving it and you know you're in the fortunate position that you are a, a you have a team doing this. I mean, not yeah. a huge team, but it's a team, sure. and you have people who are dedicated to it. 
Yet, but all of this stuff is still true if you're an indie, indie developer, if you really want to be successful. Um, which is why we come back to that basic, you know, um, stuff that we, we've spoken again about again and again and again over the last sort of 18 months, two years is you know, if, if you are seriously looking to make a living as an indie developer, then, you know, realistically, you've got to be saying, well, I'm only going to spend, what, 20, 25 percent of my time coding and the rest of the time I'm going to be doing marketing and analytics and monitoring. And it depends on your app, of course, um, you know, to see how this is going and, and to do all the stuff that you have a team doing. But it you, because you're a one man one woman band it's not like all that stuff goes away and you're going to be successful just because you're leaner and can write the code faster because actually you look at teams like uh, yours and and hopefully the team that I'm working on now where we're small teams yeah we are fairly you know compared to you know a lot of traditional software development we're incredibly flexible and fast paced but that doesn't mean this stuff doesn't have to be done um and yet so many you meet so many developers oh well that stuff doesn't interest me uh but the reality is if you want to make your living off this stuff on your own it has to interest you going forward um it yeah. has to interest you because um did you read the stuff from charles perry on um on making money off the app store no i'll put a link to it in the show notes uh, and he was just showing it you know where you had to be in the app store on, on paid apps to sort of be making a living in different parts of the u.s yeah and the reality is you know um i think it was apps down as low as sort of you know about eight or nine thousand within the app store um we're doing sort of ten to twenty thousand dollars a year um so yeah. you know for let's say a developer salary an average across the u.s you'd want a hundred grand to, to live off i know um, on the west coast that's gonna you know you're gonna die in and there's a certain places where you buy a mansion for that so i'm averaging um mm-hmm. you know so that means you need four or five apps either a really successful app or four or five apps in the top ten thousand out of you know, out of a billion or whatever it is in there um you know that's just not going to happen because you write some code because you know that's that's only a few thousand apps ten thousand um well it's ten thousand of them actually um uh, you know and, and so it's about making sure you do the stuff to be in those positions if you want to make a living doing this um and so I would say if, if, you, if you're not interested in, in doing any of this stuff and you seriously want to make a living uh, beyond being in your 20s and coding from your parents' back bedroom, um, you, know, you need to be teaming up with people to do this stuff as well or take an interest in it or go get a job and do coding. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's that simple. And I know that's sort of like, a yeah, we want to be the land of the free, the pioneering mobile frontiers, but, you know, it's gone those days. It's a business now. Uh, and if you want to make a business, you have to behave. If you want to make money, you have to behave like a business. Um, that simple. Cool. Well, um, I've been, uh, been doing a bit of UI work this week. And I'm not, uh, I have to be honest, I tend to try and hide when it comes to doing UI work in projects. I like to do all of the networking and the performance stuff and the database stuff and anything like that and um uh, i tend to keep my head down when there's ui stuff to begin on but i'm i'm doing some ui stuff because we're reaching a point where you know if the app doesn't have a ui then <laughs> it's not going to go very far so and I, it's it's yeah I, I don't know why i try and avoid the ui stuff because every time i come to it i quite i quite enjoy it i, I guess 
I guess it, I find it frustrating at times that you know you can spend hours and hours and hours just trying to make one little shading bit proper, you know, look good, or one transition correct. And I'm just thinking, yeah, how frustrating is this? That you know, this has just taken a day, and probably no one's ever going to notice or care other than the designers and the product managers and, and the whatever else. Um, although, if you took it away, the product might be lacking a little bit. And you know, if you took all the things like that away, people would say that's really dull. So I guess I'll start with that bit. But um, we have the benefit of uh, the project we're working is going to be um, iOS 8 only or iOS 8 plus, depending on when we release it. Um, so just looking through, and one of the nice new things in iOS 8 is you can have um, self-sizing cells in uh, UI table view. Um, so you can, um, it, it needs to use a custom table view cell. Uh, and you have to have auto layout, use auto layout on it. So basically it relies on you fill the content up uh, in it, let auto layout do its job, and then the table view will size the cell properly so you don't need to do any of the manual calculations, which I, I guess wasn't difficult in the past, but it was just one of those other jobs to do and, and, and was fiddly. So obviously you might still need to do a load of code in your cell to make it look the way you want to look it, but you know, in, in your table view, uh, it likes it. it likes you to give it an estimated sort of height you know that it can sort of start with and work from so you just set an estimated row height property on the table view um, and you set the row height to a UI table view automatic dimension um, and lo and behold you have automatic sizing cells in your UI table view and so um, that's one of my favorite new bits in iOS 8 for, for that. That is cool. I mean, because that's something that I spent a lot of time working on, and it's pretty tricky, especially you know if you're combining you know text and images, and you want to have rules to be able to say you know, because say for example, uh, you know you you have you know what could be several sentences worth of, of text. You don't may not necessarily want to show that all in a table view cell because that you know you want to give the the the, the user a taste of what's behind there. But then in the kind of classic master detail thing, you, you they would tap on the table and they would push to another view which shows the the, the, the whatever the object is in all its glory. So you know we, we end up uh, whatever implementing the delegate method row height for table view cell at index or whatever it is exactly, and then it becomes very tricky because you're trying to calculate heights of, of text and, and some aspect of of the the table view cell which would kind of be the maximum height, the thing that actually causes the the, the table view cell to, to, to size to whatever size it's going to be, whether it's an, if it's an image, that's pretty easy to do. But if it's text, it becomes a lot more complicated. It's even more complicated if the text is HTML and it has to be rendered, right? The length of, of HTML text with markup, you could have a lot of markup and then not much text, but you have to figure out how it gets rendered. It's very expensive and, and difficult operation. Is it big? So they, they have this mechanism that will use auto layout to do it. But then if, if it does involve text that needs to be rendered, is there something new in there that I, I don't know about that it will just do some of these things automatically and say you know size this up to three lines and, and then add an ellipsis or or you still have to do a lot of work yourself on that well i'm i'm because yeah, obviously the problem used to be with um setting row heights is that the call to get the row height came before the call to get the cell mm -hmm. uh, which meant that you especially if you're using auto layout you couldn't just let auto layout do its thing and then, um, uh, you know, then, then get your, your, your height. You had to somehow work that out or spoof it by keeping dummy cells off screen and having everything go twice, which was sort of inefficient and ineffective. Um, it worked, but it was, wasn't great. So I don't know how this is working internally, but I'm, I'm just wondering now if there's some sort of um, 
you know, you still need to do your rendering in the um, in the cell and, and do all that stuff. But I, I'm just I'm guessing there's some sort of internal mechanism now that once auto layout has done its job, once it's been given its content and done its job, if the table view has the settings set up, it will then you know look at the outcome of what you've just done and you know mm. what's your final view size for your table view and set the cell size to that size um and it's and it's adjust and then adjust itself around now that's that's a total guess and you know anyone who knows the internals of UIKit are probably saying you more on that's no way that it's going to work that way um but uh it it seems it seems to it now I've not done anything overly complicated with it yet I mean I'm rendering text um, and a couple of images in in, in uh, its variable length text. So it might be anything from a couple of words to you know a couple of paragraphs, and that's why you know it's um, it, it's really useful. But it, it seems to be okay now. I only started playing with this uh, yesterday, uh, so um, you know I could come back next week and say, oh, you know that uh, self-sizing cells in your tables they're crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But my first, um, you know, my first experience with them compared to um, having to use them before where you had to calculate all your sizes and everything on, on the fly is, is they seem to work pretty well. Um, so I, I will let you know. All right. Yay, AppKit team. Oh, sorry, UIKit team. Yay. Well, I think uh, that's, we've done about 30 minutes, John. I think we should probably, um, probably call that a day and... Um, I'm beginning uh, just put a request out there again. We're beginning to get people come on and say, um, or say I'd like to come on the show, and we are beginning to chase those up. Um, and uh, you referred to someone we're going to be chasing up who just released their pet app. Um, that's app about pets, not it's not not their pet app. <laughs> <laughs> but when he comes on, we'll work it out. Um, but and several other people I've spoken to who are doing some tools. Um, and really, we just want everyday developers who are just, you know, they're not doing this. They're not the superstars of the industry. You've just released your first app or you've been plugging away for a few years on one app. And we just want to hear developer stories and just have uh, people who are OK at doing this job range from OK to brilliance and, and you know, just coming and sharing. And we think uh, we're interested in hearing your stories. We think other people will be interested in hearing your stories. So Scotty at iDeveloper.co or tweet to us and um it's going to take us a while to work out how to schedule all this and do it, but uh, they're going to be coming up. So please um, drop us a line. And uh, really, you know, 2015 wants to be a real community podcast that people look at just say, yeah, that was a, a really uh, great thing that um, we just learned about lots more people who we'd not heard about before. So uh, there we go. We'd love it if you went and give us a review on iTunes. Um, it uh, helps people know whether they should download the show or not. Um, so go say something nice, hopefully. But there we are. John, <laughs> tell people where they can uh, come to you and say something nice to you. Well, you can find me on Findery as John Fox, and you can find me on the Twitter as Jembe, that's D J E M B E, like the West African drum. And you can find out all about my product, Memory Miner, at memoryminer.com. And my name is Scotty. You can find me on Twitter as MacDevNet. You can find the show notes for this show at iDeveloper.co where you can also sign up to receive them by email. I'm not even going to bother giving you my blog because I've not written anything for about three months again. Once I start writing, uh, I will do. Right, thank you very much for listening, everybody. If you've got any ideas of things you'd like us to talk about, you know, send them in. We probably know nothing about it, in which case, but that's never stopped us before. Um, and we will uh, <laughs> just get on with it. But uh, thanks for listening, and until next time, you take care. Thank you.
Thank <laughs> you.